So we've agreed just two questions, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And, the f- <laughs> and the first one really is, life's different for Christians in Malaysia. We have our challenges here, but you have yours there. Yeah. What are the particular joys and challenges of being a Christian in Malaysia today? And use the mic. Tom. Living in a multiracial and multicultural situation, life is exciting. We get to meet people of different races and different religion. And in that process, we get to eat good food. <laughs> Lovely food. I think you have experienced that in Malaysia. I think we in Malaysia thrive because of food. Uh, we have 24 hours of food, so don't worry about it. But having said that, that's the kind of life, the joys of being a Christian in a multi-religious and multicultural society. We have learned tolerance. We have learned how to accept someone who is different from us. The way we speak, the way we think, the way we dress, the way we look at cultural issues are very different. But yet we have learned to accept one another. So if we come to Malaysia, we are of all different colors, shapes and sizes as well. Uh, you get the tall and the short, the fat and the round ones. But we live in harmony. And being a Christian in such a situation brings us great joy because we see people of different ways of living coming and worshipping the Lord in the church. So you'll have a congregation that is, will be filled with different races praising God with only one intention in mind, loving God and serving God. And that's beautiful. And that gives us joy in our Christian discipleship. But when we talk about challenges, it is not easy to live with a person of another race as well as of another culture. So besides tolerance, we have learned to be kind with one another. The kindness sometimes has to be stretched. And the kind of difficulties that we have as a Christian in this land is something I need to tell you today. And that is, first of all, when you look at the school children, I see some of you wearing the cross before you, some of you don't. You know, in Malaysian schools, uh, the children are not allowed to wear a cross outside. They are to wear their cross hidden inside their dresses. Purely because when we look at the schools, there is the major religion, which is Islam, feels very threatened by 
they believe by looking at a cross, the other person can be converted. Can you see the power of the cross? It's just simple. They feel by looking at a cross, all the children will be immediately converted. That's one idea. Second thing is that recently we had a situation where the community pulled down a cross from a church. And they said that if there is a cross up on the, on the building, the community will be misled. My dear friends, it's just two woods put together and placed on top of the church. That's all. But they see the power of the cross. So powerful is the cross that they fear conversion. They fear that their children will be converted. At the same time, we find there are many who are challenged about their faith. If you find, you have this Bible, and if you know Arabic, uh, we have this big tussle in Malaysia. We are not supposed to use the word Allah. Have you heard the word Allah? Allah. Now, in Saudi Arabia, the word Allah is used very frequently. And that is to signify one God. There are only three religions in the world that propagate monotheism, one God. And that is, they are the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims. We are a monotheistic God. We don't believe in many gods. And therefore, that one God, the word Allah is used to propagate and mention about that one God. But in Malaysia, they make a difference. They say the Islamic God is different from the God of the others. So the Muslims can use the word Allah, whereas all other religions have used the word Lord, not God. Because they want to make a differentiation between their God and our God. And that is a challenge. A challenge for people in Malaysia. Now that's only terminologies. If you look at other aspects of life, uh, you will find that if a Christian church would like to build a, a building, a proper church building, and we find a piece of land, it will take us approximately 10 to 15 years before we actually get any documentations agreed by the local council. Because most of them are of the major denomination or religion, which is Islam. For them, if you were to agree in writing that you have uh, agreed to sign and give that land or agreed uh, for the people to build a church, the person who signs the document will go to hell. 
because you are actually permitting the propagation of another thing. So you will find that the local government takes great pains to prevent any aspect of the growth of Christianity in the country. And there are many more challenges that I like to tell you, but I would say that while there are challenges to the Christian faith in Malaysia, Christianity is not dead. I think in some sense, if you look at countries around us, the country that is persecuted for their faith seem to go even faster. If today I come and tell you that you are not allowed to enter the church to worship, what would be your response when we have taken for granted that we come to church every Sunday? There's nothing to worry about it. But if there is a law, a change of mind, and say, you cannot enter the church to pray. You can pray in your house, but not in the church. That will cause you to come alive. So, in brief, I just want to state this. There are many more challenges before us. So, being a Christian is exciting. It's exciting. And living in Malaysia is even more exciting because it challenges to live up to our faith. We cannot become wishy-washy Christians. Like you mentioned in the sermon just now. You may be Christians in the church, but it matters what you do outside the church. And everybody in our community looks at the Christians and they see how we respond to situations. My dear friends, there are many more challenges that we can think of. But we don't want to dabble with those challenges. But I want to tell you something. That God gives us the strength to overcome any form of challenges. God gives us the confidence to stand even more in today's reading. God gives us the hope and the assurance that there's something better and God will transform that situation. Our prayer is one day, God will transform the whole of Malaysia. In my country, we are not allowed to preach to Muslims. Even if you take a piece of paper and go to a Muslim and pass it to them, we can be charged in court and put in prison. That's how it is. But that's not so much with other religions. I think they're very open about it. It's just this major religion. But we believe the doors will be open and one day God's power will seep into the life of Malaysia and transform it. And all those who have been waiting to hear the gospel of Christ will receive it. And I ask you to pray for us. Pray for us that we will stand firm and we will uh, continue to preach the gospel of Christ. Recently, we had other problems. <coughs> you know the extremists in this country, you, you, you heard about ISIS, have you? Mm. 
You have heard about ISIS in other parts of the world. Well, it has seeped into my country. And so the community is very upset that the Christians, are, they relate us, they think of us as Jews in their country. <coughs> so they relate Christianity with Judaism. <coughs> so they don't like the Jews. And likewise, they don't like the Christians. So what has happened? They have actually thrown Molotov uh, uh, <coughs> bottles, huh? cocktails, cocktails into churches. <coughs> They've thrown them, but they do that at night. Nobody sees them at one o'clock in the morning when everybody's. They throw Molotov into the building, and they try to set the church on fire. Well, they succeeded in in burning one church down. They actually burnt approximately seven different churches, seven denominations. One church, they burned the church down totally, totally. But we thank God they burned the church. <laughs> because suddenly the government became aware of what was happening and said, okay, uh, we will give you three times more of what you have spent in building the, the church. And the renovation was superb. I think they had all the best equipments in the church. The building was much bigger and very modern. But I'm not advocating for that. No. no, 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 no. Don't, think, don't think that's the right way to do things. So just to give you that idea. Okay, now you haven't looked at your notes yet, so we'll just, we'll just move over here. Great. Charles, I did want to ask you one question because one of the reasons I went to Malaysia was to learn something about how you do disciple making there. Yeah. And I want you, relatively briefly, because we want to pray for you. <laughs> we want to pray for you. I want you to tell us a little bit about what you personally are doing with your congregation and across the diocese to help them grow as disciples of Jesus. Something's helping you. Tell us what it is. Okay. <coughs> I've got some notes here. So I really? I've been reading some books, but uh, let me say this first. Huh? I have, let me, you know when you have to get used to all this high technology. Yeah, we haven't worked and, it out here. <laughs> uh, there's one line that I like to say. Say this, don't be a part-time Christian who demands a full-time God. Another uh, phrase is this. Discipleship is about a lifelong process of learning. Having said this, we have embarked on discipleship. We believe that discipleship is important for the growth of the church. I've, I come from a community, a church, that is now 200 years and is named St. George's Church. I believe when they built the church and named the church, it was after King George of England. And the island on which I am living now was then known as the Prince of Wales. Now, I, I believe the missionaries have done a wonderful job uh, in propagating the gospel so well that they have made Asians Europeans. 
So you find a good number of Malaysians, Indians or Chinese who think and feel and understand God from a different perspective. It's not wrong. But then, times have changed. And so we need to put into context what we know about God. The Archbishop of Saudi Asia, or the Bishop of my diocese, which is Bishop Munhang, has encouraged the churches to be involved in discipleship. Now let me get to my parish. We have learned a lot about the Bible. We know the Bible. We know, if you ask the question, we can tell you the 39 articles. Very well. One bishop said, sorry, there's one more article you may have forgotten. And that's the 40th article. You know what's the 40th article? The 40th article is, whatever the bishop says is correct. <laughs> there are two parts to that article. 40A and 40B. And so 40A says, whatever the bishop says is correct. 40B says, uh, no, 40A says whatever he says is correct and if you are not sure about what he said and you don't agree with that, then go to 40B. 40B says if you are not sure about it, it is correct. Whatever the bishop says is correct. And so follow 40A. <laughs> and so a lot of people have learned about the scripture. But sometimes they've come to a bottleneck as to how to be a disciple. How to be a disciple in this ever-changing society of ours. And therefore, what we have done is this. We have brought a Sarang community church syllabus. We have gone to Korea. We adopted a discipleship program from Korea. And we have adapted that to our diocese. Now, what is this program all about? It's basically putting through church members into a simple way of becoming a disciple. And that's what everyone wants. They don't want to go to theological education and get a degree, you know, go through 12 uh, 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 courses and get a degree in theology to understand God. A lot of us are asking, tell us a simple way of becoming a disciple. And that's all. And so we have adopted this program. We have uh, three modules. The first module is very simple. It's just helping us to tell about Jesus. One simple example. How many of you have actually written your testimony? I think this church may have done. A lot yeah, of them have few done. Of them, few of them. I think a few of them how many of us, having been a Christian for years, have written our story of becoming a Christian? I ask that to my congregation. And I tell you, 90% of them who are senior members, soaked in Anglicanism, couldn't answer that. Nobody, uh, uh, the majority of them, couldn't, stand in front and tell their story 
to another person about their faith. And so this discipleship program was to encourage, is to encourage church members to tell your story, the story of faith. That's all. And we ask everyone to write a testimony. And that's what Christianity is all about. Today I want to know how you feel about your God. That's all. <coughs> Tell us about your struggles like you are interviewing. Tell me about your struggle, your faith, your journey with the Lord. Tell me your Christian testimony. That's all. And I think um, the discipleship training program is very... Obviously, in my parish, when I introduced it, I had some very senior members in saying, what is this bishop trying to do? You know, uh, they were very upset. They were very upset that they had to go through training all over again. That would never happen here, Charles. <laughs> How could he ask us to do I, They know the 39 articles. They know the book of common prayer by heart. And they know the, the whole liturgy by heart. And they know that to come to church is very important. But how could the uh, vicar ask me to learn my faith all over again? I had a lot of problems. A lot of problems in my parish. But I had a group of young people who were so energized. And wanting to preach the gospel. Wanting to share. And I had this core group in my parish. And I started with them. I called them. I personally did it. I personally taught my PCC members. I made it compulsory. I'm not sure whether that's part we of it. We couldn't do that here, no. I made, it, I made the discipleship training compulsory for my PCC members. I said, if you don't go through the discipleship training program, you cannot be a, a, a PCC member in the next year. <laughs> you know how much. You know, you know what will happen, right? I, but they all came. They all came, they sat through, they sat through six classes. And they were all happy, oh thank God, the six classes is all over now, everything is finished. And I said, wonderful, but it's not the end. And I told every single PCC member that they should go out and find another six to seven people and teach the same thing that I taught them. They lacked the confidence. They couldn't do. Say, no, I, I'm not ready for it. I'm not theologically trained. I'm not paid to do the job. No. But I said, do you believe in God? Do you have hope in God? Are you worshipping a living God? And they said, oh yes. And I said, yes, go tell your story. Roll Williams said, it's not just about come and see what's happening in my church. We tell everyone, come, come, come to my church. Come and see. But we forget the other aspect in the Bible. It means go and tell. Go and tell. So my PCC members went out and encouraged another group of people to come. And they got excited. They became the teachers, you know. And they began to tell their story to the next group. And in that way, 
each of them who got trained in that first level of discipleship began to go out and train others. And by telling their story and by teaching, they got excited. And I have now trained 200 people in my parish. I'm now ready to train my church members at the second level of discipleship. And that is leadership in the course. What is discipleship? I have this note here uh, in my handphone, but every time it goes off. You know, and um, discipleship is inviting people into your life before you invite them into your church. Unless I have a living relationship with you, a trustworthy relationship with you, I would not take a step into the church not knowing what will happen here. And that's what precisely my daughter experienced. You accepted her and took her into your lives. And because of that, she came back with a new concept of a church. So discipleship is very simple. You accept another person and take the other person into your life. It becomes personal. It's not detached. I, come, I want you to come to church, so I'm going to teach you. I have to do my part. I'll teach you. and that's it. But there is a relationship. In the same way, Jesus had a relationship with the church. So discipleship is all about relationship. I need to know you. I need to talk to you. I need to know your name. You know, I need to know what you are, who you are. Uh, what's your problem? What's your, what's your aspiration in life? I need to know something about you in order for you to know about God. And I can lead you in that direction to know the loving God. So I would encourage this parish allow me, Father, to embark on a discipleship training program. There are many programs in the world about discipleship, but get something that is very simple. Simple so that the senior members and the new Christians can feel comfortable. And there are many programs about it. Get everyone excited about Jesus. Tell your story. That's all. Tell your story. The other part of it is to say the prayers. Say the prayer in the morning, in the evening. Don't be frightened to say your prayers. And I can go on with the program. So, in a sense, that's how we started our discipleship in St. George's Church. And we hope, and we have now mobilized a lot of people so efficiently that I'm able to come out of the parish. Great. They are running the parish for me now. So do you want to come and lead the discipleship course here? <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to take a, a, a team out here. And I think my, my young people and my senior PCC members are all excited about discipleship. And I think it's very simple. It's six programs. You can do it in a weekend. And if I can encourage you to tell your story, that's all I want. I want to hear your story. I want to tell, hear what you have, what you know about Jesus. And I think we have done Great. Great. done well about that. Now let me say this. There's a bunch of young people here who will pray for anybody. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you to come and stand over here. Right. I'll ask some of YF to come out and a couple of wardens and let's just uh, pray over Bishop Charles. I don't want us to pray for Malaysia. I want us to pray for this man.